Welcome to another episode of the Imprint Companion, the podcast that discusses the new release titles from each batch of Imprint Films, a beautiful boutique Blu-ray label here in Australia. My name is Alexi Toliopoulos, and on this episode, we're going through our part two on the batch from June 2022, and we are looking at the historical epics of a maritime nature. We're looking at these boat pictures that came out in this batch. And joining me as always to do so is my dearest and nearest. It's Mr. Blake Howard. Oh, look, getting wet with seawater with you is one of my most favorite things, even virtually in these mm-hmm. maritime pictures. Thank you so well, much for you that love. You know it. me, Blake. <laughs> I love to watch those pictures that are filled with semen. And this is one that is just chock full of the stuff uh <laughs> chock full indeed look um we're gonna kind of go backwards in this batch we're gonna work up and through uh some spine numbers that we normally don't do because there is a, an absolute standout in this batch which we'll eventually get to we're gonna kick things off alexi with a film that i had not only never seen, but had never heard of. And I was so, and I, this is why one of the things I love about Imprint Companion <laughs> is like going, I have no idea what this <coughs> is. And then I see Sidney Poitier is in a film about Viking adventurers and mysterious, mystical, mythical objects. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm so in. And mainly also um, a couple of our favorite words that come up in this batch too cinema and scope you smash them together you get cinema scope so we're pretty Mm -hmm. excited to talk but let's kick off with our very first film in this batch the long ships why don't you guys have a listen to the trailer and then we will come back and talk all about it a legend no my friend may allah strike me dead if all i have told you is not true somewhere Lost, stolen, perhaps hidden away, hangs that great golden bell. Where? What happened to the bell? There are those who know. Do you? Perhaps. You see, I was shipwrecked. I'm simply trying to get back to my homeland. fair winds and a prosperous voyage in return for her young life. Long ships from director Jack Cardiff. A maverick Norse warrior guides his Viking brother, the king's daughter, and a long ship full of warriors in search of the fabled mother of voices. A giant solid gold bell. Coveted by Ali Munsa, a Moorish prince obsessed with retrieving the legendary bell at any cost. This one is directed by Jack Cardiff. It stars, I mean, uh, some of these names you may not immediately know, but firstly, it stars Richard Winmark, Sidney Poitier, Rust Hamlin, Rosanna Scafino, and Oscar Homolka. This was a kind of insane epic thing vikings versus moors so you know they're kind of like arabic warriors versus like the vikings it starts off with this kind of mythical like 
awesome introduction of uh, oh my lord blake that introduction was unbelievable like any movie with like and and i immediately jumped out as like movies like a national treasure or like some mm. adventure like some adventure object thing usually start fantasy out movies. fantasy movies that they're like they're looking for a mysterious object They've all taken keen notes from Jack Carter's The Long Ships, whether they realize it or not. Like, has the most amazing beginning where Richard Winmark's character, he basically um, is is on a ship, Rolf, he's the captain, he's the lone survivor. When he is healed by these monks, he starts observing the walls and tapestries that they've created out mm. of colorful rocks, and it tells this mythical treasure. Um, and basically, when he is starting to tell this story as he's trying to find a way to get back home to his Viking brethren, he encounters Sidney Poitier's Ali Mansu, who is obsessed with this object. And once he has that, they are in this continual battle to like find a way to, to get him to lead them to this mythical object. Cause they believe that he knows the location. And what I thought was really interesting, like, so I don't know about you. It was like, as I was watching this movie unfold, I was really shocked at like how long the, the setup for these two guys fighting over how they were going to get to this object was before we actually got to the object itself. And the fact that I wasn't bought, I was like into it yep. the whole time. Um, I think these two characters work so well with each other, partially because Sidney Poitier, just like any great villain, is probably more uh, watchable than the lead yeah. of this movie. He's more curious. He's more exactly. He's got empathy. He's got uh, empathy. You can see that they're basically two two sides of the same coin. These people that are obsessed and and are using their power for sort of kind of nefarious ways, despite the fact that lives are going to be lost. But no, I had such a superb time watching the long ships. And again, the scale of this thing is absolutely insane. And there is a moment where they discover spoilers for this uh, 1964 movie. They discover this mythical object. And usually in movies like this, discovering the mythical object is one thing. And then getting it onto your boat seems like this secondary thing but once they find this it has one of the most spectacular scenes of like the lives they are willing to lose to get this treasure that i think i've ever seen in almost any movie it just completely freaking blew me away and i had such a fun time with this i'm with you i had such a fun time with this movie it harkens back to a lot of movies i grew up watching which is like jason and the argonauts yeah. and stuff like those kind of grand epic sea voyage adventures uh that are of that kind of uh ancient culture like ancient greek or viking and this one is so enjoyable and i would say what really kicks it off is that really impressive opening number which is the monologue about what the legend of this golden bell is and it is set against like these really surreally captured mosaics uh telling the story and then there's kind of superimposed imagery that like silhouetted people running across them it feels like a james bond introduction yeah totally. in a really interesting and strange way that really jumped out at me um but this one is cool man like just to see those <laughs> giant boats and stuff you can't really fake that stuff in this era and it looks wonderful i really enjoyed these great special features with kim newman who i always love and historian sheldon hall once again 
going into like the weird production of this and how this film even exists in this way and uh who jack cardiff is who richard widmark is and why sydney portier at the start of his career appears in this one strange giant epic film <laughs> yeah look i i think this is maybe the funnest movie like that's it's not as contemplative it is just this pure energetic adventure and again looking at it from that technical perspective you guys know when you say like a viking boat you know these huge things we're talking about you know the beautiful mm. shapely ends to them and how they look like they can't move but they literally create like maybe 20 of these things for this movie just for sometimes it's just for the background of a shot and then yeah. others that have to move around and fight and move and maneuver and I, I was just so impressed with the locations of this movie i was so impressed with the scale of the production the moors are all decked out in you know th these these persian warriors are all decked out in this incredible garb this incredible mm -hmm. armor they've got these incredible swords the colors are so vibrant and rich the vikings are shit bags which you know they are but like yeah. it's kind of this unabashed thing there's no like it, it feels like there's no honor among thieves and they're all kind of like differing levels of deplorable kinds of characters but man they're fun like a really fun watch the next film that we're going to discuss, Blake had a chance to catch up with. It is a movie known by a few titles, but the title on this disc is Damn the Defiant, starring Alec Guinness and Anthony Quayle. I'll give you a toast to Defiant, an efficient ship and a happy one. An efficient ship, sir. Napoleon's overrunning Italy. He's bound to bring Spain in on his side. Yeah. Therefore, I presume you'll want to change plans and put in here a reporter. I've seen no signal countermanding our orders. No, but since... Which are to proceed to Corsica with all possible dispatch. Why is everybody afraid of the word mutiny? I'm not afraid of the word if it fits. Why have you countermanded my orders? As commander of the British warship HMS Defiant, the humane Crawford strives to maintain order throughout the ship against the ceaseless brutality of sadistic first mate Scott Paget. After Crawford is injured in a fiery battle, angry seaman Vizard leads the crew to mutiny. So that humane Captain Crawford is played by Alec Guinness. Dirk Bogard plays Scott Paget, the first mate, and Anthony Quayle plays Vizard, who is kind of the heart and soul of this thing. What I would say is this. People may or may not have heard us talking about it on the podcast. One of my next film uh, that we're doing a big deep dive on in One Heat Minute Productions is Master and Commander. And one of the things I love about Damn the Defiant is, God, it is an absolutely glorious, glorious seafaring adventure that is very particular about the order and the structure and the kind of the the requirements of having this hierarchy for like a naval nation that each of these different ships are is to work and what's cool about hms defiant it's there at a time where britain is fighting the french they're doing anything they can do it and they're even ever so brief time on land scounging up more crew at you know conscripting them basically to this it, it gives you a whole sense that 
a, bene- a benevolent captain like Crawford, played by Alec Guinness, is exactly what this crew needs to actually have the cohesion to go off and fight and fight for country and maybe start believing in, you know, some of the, you know, the rah-rah that comes around with all the British propaganda. But Dirk Bogard, Scott Paget, he there's an immediate thing where he starts to take advantage of Crawford's leniency. And it's not the crew that is thinking about mutiny for Crawford. It's actually that they're willing to work alongside Crawford and try and make, uh, a, I guess, a new a new system, something that maybe helps them out and helps the broader crew better. But uh, Bogart is just like this tyrant. And one of the things I loved about it is that it absolutely looks glorious. The seaside shooting is not as dynamic because obviously one of the things that you notice if you've seen something like master and commander the thing you marvel at is the way that we can move a camera and how contemporary cameras can move on a ship and the mm. space and the scale and on this ship if things have to things are more rigid but it is one of the most gloriously produced movies as far as production design guinness is just so wonderful in this and on the special features of this dislex one of the things i would say is there is a terrific uh, a feature called Defiant Crew. And mm. it's an interview featurette with the production manager, Richard Goodwin, and assistant editors, John Chrome and Norman Winstall, and a prop master, John Chisholm, um, as well as special effects uh, a master at the time, Martin Gutteridge. And they're all these old boys who were all young, probably yeah. our age when they made this movie, and they were looking at Alec Guinness like he was their absolute hero of wow. heroes. And this was meant to be, Alec Guinness was like doing this movie to just get out of his final contract. Um, yeah. And he got Lewis Gilbert, Lewis Gilbert, who has one of the most incredible, we spoke to about directors on this two episodes of the June Imprint series, but Lewis Gilbert is a guy who directed Alfie. He directed- Wow, of course. Mo- Moonraker. He directed Educating Reader. He's, he, he made films from like his early 30s all the way till his 90s. Um, uh, he made The Spy Who Loved Me as well. You Only Live Twice. He's done a bunch of Bonds in there. Um, I'm trying to go back through the slasher he made. Um, you know, yeah. um, He has an amazing resume and this is just one of them. And they, they talk about him in such great terms and his directing style. They talk about- being just idolizing Guinness and everyone on the crew idolizing Guinness and loving the tension that was created between those two guys. So this movie for me is special in this batch because I'm like, it feels like the homework assignment I never knew that I needed to do for one of my next projects. So it was really meaningful for me, but it was also just like watching again, how they could even achieve to do something like this. It was uh, really great. And you know, the action is really quite terrific, but the old boys, Man, the old boys. You gotta love those old boys uh talking about their their halcyon days of making movies and 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 just the cool, the effortless cool of uh the, the Guinness a- anecdotes. Uh, it was just really special. Wow. Oh god, I can't wait to rip into this one. But there is one film in this batch that I think deserves a little moment in the spotlight. Cause it was one that has been on my radar for quite some time. And it coming out in this beautiful new Blu-ray from Imprint Films was such a worthy way to finally watch A Night to Remember. The new White Star Liner, RMS Titanic, is the largest vessel in the world. It's not only in size, but also in the luxury of her appointments that the Titanic takes first place among the big steamers of the world. 
looks clear enough so far. If there's the slightest bit of haze, we shall have to slow down. Let me know at once if you're doubtful. Aye, aye, sir. She's unsinkable. She can't float. Roy Baker's 1958 smash, A Night to Remember, is, of course, set on April 10th, 1912, where the unsinkable RMS Titanic sets sail from Southampton on her maiden voyage when the ship hits an iceberg, spoilers, late at night on April 14th. The situation looks bleak. Chaos breaks out both above and below deck as the passengers and crew race against time for their survival. Obviously, this is the sinking of the Titanic. Obviously, Titanic, one of the biggest movies of all time, eats a night to remember's lunch. Alexi, tell me what you thought going back to revisit this thing because the first thing that I thought was, how the hell did they do this thing in 1958? Mm, It is really special, Blake. This movie completely blew me away i had known this was great i'd known this movie was great but you know when you hear about films about titanic james cameron's film is the one that springs to mind and i'd never gone back and watched any of the other ones i've never seen the unsinkable molly brown with debbie reynolds i had heard about this one quite a lot and going back to this film It was an absolutely emotionally devastating experience. I was like blubbering and crying watching this movie. I found this movie to be so visually powerful and so interesting because it just, it really builds in a fascinating way. This is like Altman before Altman. There's no clear narrative lead. There's no protagonist. There's not really a thrust. It just captures that snapshot on the Titanic of how life changes for all these different people in that moment. There's all these different stories that are divided by class, by sex, by gender. And I found it so fascinating. And the way that this film builds as this interesting, almost hyperlink style snapshot, I found devastating to get to know all these people, to get to know their lives. The way this kind of builds from the pleasant to the inevitable disaster is so powerful. And without that overarching story, it kind of finds so much detail in the humanity, in these little enriching moments. And the way this film really, what it does so special is that it captures those apocryphal moments that have become folklore or legend now. That we yes. know, like, oh, there's that chef that uh, survived by drinking vodka and drinking and surviving <laughs> on spirits. And you see the way that builds up. He's one of the characters that this follows. There's all those little moments that are just things that you know, like, oh, the, the band. band decides to keep playing. And they're all things that Cameron has taken on in his film as well. But this feels like a real precursor, not just to that Cameron film, but to like the storytelling that we like from people like Robert Altman and stuff, where we're capturing these snapshots of life. And there's one shot in this movie, Blake, that really drew me in. And it was the moment where I was like, oh, this is a masterpiece. Was there's just one quiet shot 
that's only about like five or six seconds long, which is in the empty dining hall. No one is around. It's just one lone shot of a table with a food trolley next to it. And that trolley just moves ever so slightly as if an incline has just happened. And that's the whole shot. And that was just when I just absolutely fell in love with what this movie was capturing. This is one of the very best films I've seen released on an imprint Blu-ray. And it snuck up on me so much. Because when this batch arrived to me, you know, it's all these epics from the past, these uh, these so most of these are ancient set films. These are films that I do love when I watch them, but I don't get excited about them. This was the one that just blew me away, and I cannot wait to just continue my relationship with this film. It is fantastic. If you love James Cameron's Titanic, I really think you owe it to yourself to watch this movie to see where so much of the legend begins. And I think also people who love the James Cameron Titanic, you know, the, one of the biggest movies of all time. There's questions in that movie like, oh, there was a, wasn't there a boat that was so close by that could have come and interceded? Wasn't, wh- what happened here when they called out to other mm. boats? And one of the things that James Cameron did as, you know, a filmmaking device was keep everything really close to what was happening on the boat and not give you any of these snapshots into other things. And that's where Roy Baker also shows a way that you could do it to build dramatic tension is like inaction in those other places or lack oh. of communication and the tragic slow down nature of how everything works back then. Yeah. And just the ways that they have to communicate with one another, there's no pace, there's no things. And that becomes an agony of an, in and of itself. And so I think that that's firstly really special. What I agree with Lex is, Again, if you've seen James Cameron's Titanic, the scale of the production, you know, it was famously, you know, a $200 million movie um, at the time, which is what it was the most expensive film that was ever made to create the sets, to create, to, to have the scale, to have the amount of people, to have this incredible tapestry of actors. And Cameron kind of takes one thing from Roy Baker. He's like, I am going to make this kind of like, I'm really going to focus on individual characters, but when this movie turns into hyperlinks, I'm going to cast it with like people who are quite established along these different things and, and limit the amount of perspectives in some ways that I'm going to get to, because I I need my main characters to have interacted with the people that I'm going to focus on (coughs) as part of this. But I, I, when you're watching this all unfold and watching how they build this incredible set they build this incredible ship you watch all these people get thrown into the water and watch the scale of this thing i was just like this is so state of the art and it's still fantastic and it looks fantastic and is scary and i was just sort of joking i was watching this and my wife was sitting with me and i go recognize this and she looked up at the screen for like 10 seconds like not even and she's like it's titanic i'm like no it's not titanic but it is the, the the RMS Titanic, like it's it's mm-hmm. it's Titanic. It's not to remember, and so yeah, I was I was quite flabbergasted with how affecting this still is. You know, I think when you look at a movie that's been remade or a story that's been retold, um, you're really looking for what is the essence and is it worthy of remaking. You can totally see why Cameron did it because this is just such an affecting story, and he and he thought he could heighten it by you know, creating a romance and creating a mystery and, and then getting to the really deep specifics that only someone in the, you know, the mid nineties could learn about the Titanic sinking yeah. um, to sort of augment and tell the story slightly differently. Um, but 
there's something about Roy Baker's understanding of that British stiff upper lipness mm. that I think everything happens at just that one tenth more restrained yeah. before panic sets in. And so when yes. the panic sets in, that's what blew me away, Lex. The performances of mm. panic after everyone was like, oh, let's jolly ho, let's play some football on the on the decks yeah. with uh, some ice. It's like, and then not too long after that, everyone's dying and it's dire straits. And I, it's special. It's a, it's a special movie, like a true blue classic. Yeah. And, and, and again, imprint has now brought a couple of really stone cold classics to the fore, but this one is at a scale that I don't think they've brought to us yet. And I think it's, it's, it's really special. And there's a documentary we both watched on this. Mm. It's an old doco called the making of a night to remember it goes for an hour and there are so many there's bruce hallenbeck uh uh track on here there's a shoot to remember with a camera assistant mike fox which is um i'm really dying to check out you've got features from matthew sweet our boy kim newman your guy joe botting um as well as a whole bunch of other things um on here but that even the making of a, a night to remember and where they shot it how oh, they did yeah. it it's it's an hour, it's like a classic TV behind the scenes feature, and it just rips. It's fantastic that they're able to find it and get it on the disc. It's it's really special. Yeah, I absolutely love this release. I love this movie. Uh, I can't wait to watch it again, to be honest. And I really made me really want to rewatch James Cameron's Titanic because I haven't seen that for a really long time. And there's so much from this that he takes uh like so much of the mythology and so much of like the lawmaking comes from the book uh that a night to remember is based on and that's so much of where cameron gets a lot of those little enriched moments those little things that we know those apocryphal tales uh that happened on the sinking of the titanic this is a really wonderful movie it's the my pick of the batch easily by far yeah, by none it is beautiful it's a great release um please everyone just watch a night to remember i want to be able to talk to people about this <laughs> old ass movie if i bump into anyone that listens to this podcast all right ladies and gents that has been the june batch of imprint films on imprint companion but Please stay tuned because we uh we haven't we it's been a hot minute since we were together, uh, but we're gonna come back pretty quickly with the July mm. batch. We have it in our possession. It is a it is humongous, dude. I'm going crazy trying it, to watch all these films. It, it's crazy. So firstly, we have an incredible directed by Jim Sheridan box set for Irish films, My Left Foot, uh, The Field. The Field. In the name of the father and the boxer, and I know you might have heard of My Left Foot, obviously Academy Award for a Daniel Day-Lewis, Academy Award nomination for In the Name of the Father, but the boxer, for anyone out there who is a fan of boxing movies, and I'm mm, talking the Rockies. It's a great picture. One of the best boxing movies ever made, mm. and Day-Lewis is a guy who you know surrenders to kind of crazy method, and he does a spectacular job doing that. Yeah. Um, I'm a big Jim Sheridan fan, so I've been looking forward to this box set for a while. Uh, he is a very interesting filmmaker. These four Irish films, he's got a movie called In America, which is about Irish migrants in the early 2000s uh, with Paddy Considine and Samantha Morton in New York. I think that is... Re oh, it's called In America. Yeah. In America. Beautiful movie. Uh, and also Get Rich or Die Trying. He directed Get Rich or Die Trying, which I'm always <laughs> fascinated by. I love when I hear those stories. Now, we've also got The Beast, 
uh, which has got another Jason Patrick uh, film, which uh, Kevin Reynolds is kind of like an underrated 80s action film about a Soviet mm-hmm. tank unit um, just destroying a village in Afghanistan and then a member of the village vowing revenge. You've got the Christopher Walken things to do in Denver when you're dead oh, with Andy I Garcia. love this movie. I haven't it, seen it since I was a little teenager. I, I not, can't wait to watch it again. I haven't seen it in decades. I cannot wait mm. to see it. We also have Robert Benton, who we did the commentary for his last film, Twilight, that was on the Imprint mm-hmm. Films. His other fantastic film with Paul Newman, Nobody's Fool, gets its show on here, which is fantastic. And again, this is now another Ken Russell film that mm-hmm. uh, gets to come to us because and, and and our last one was in the um uh, the oh my god what's his name Harry the other one was in the Harry Palmer set but this mm-hmm. one Whore from nineteen ninety one is coming here I cannot wait more Ken Russell is always a good thing so this is a pretty epic batch they've already There's even in- one more movie that you've forgotten. What is it? The Music of Chance, oh starring my God. Mandy Patinkin and James Spader, Charles oh. Durning, Samantha Mathis, Chris Joel Grey, Chris Penn. Oh so many God. of our guys are in this. So many of our guys. And like, this is the other scary thing as we look for what's coming up in July. So we'll be talking about that one. August mm-hmm. is another batch that's already been announced. Oh, and, and September has already been announced. The August imprint bundle that's already been announced has movies like On the Beach and Essential Noir uh-huh. Collection 3. We also then have Scarlet Hour, I Am the Law, Secret of the Incas, Storm Center, Golden Boy, The World of Susie Wong, and then for this absolutely freaking stupid epic september batch oh my god september batch has got me freaking freaking out i am freaking got, out we've got another Zhang yimu coming out which is the film called the road home uh and there's also a huge barfly box set oh we've got god. the 1990s adaptation of lolita harem We've also got this one that I've been dying to watch, Dersu Uzala, an enthralling tale of eccentric Mongolian frontiersmen, and also a big double box of Barfly. Oh, and you forgot you forgot one big one. Blue Chips, William oh, Freakin's film with Nick yes. Nolte and Shaq, and commentary by our guy Bill Gabiri is on here as well yes I can't wait to watch Blue Chips it's been in my watch list for so long because I'm (laughs) such a freaking head oh my god like Imprint is spoiling us with their releases coming out later this year it is crazy crazy indeed Guys, thank you so much for listening to the Imprint Companion. Um, we'll be back with you soon for that incredible July bundle. Thanks for listening to this June catch-up. Lex, great talking to you always. Tell me about what is happening in the podcast airwaves near you. On Total Reboot, we're taking a little break after our high mini series just because we are working on Finding Jesus. The documentary series we made with Auntie Donna down in Melbourne, which is a continuation of what we've been doing with finding the documentaries, the mystery investigations into popular culture. And that'll be coming out in September or so. But in the meantime, we're taking that little break. The next thing coming out on Total Reboot very soon is 
Blockbuster Summer 1982, the films that came out 40 years ago that still matter, E.T., Conan the Barbarian, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, the biggest summer the movies ever had where all these classics came out at the same time. We're going to be looking at that and why those movies still matter. In the meantime, Blake over at One Heat Minute Productions in this feed as well. What are you putting out? We're back onto Miami Nice. We're finishing up Tokyo Nice. We've got too much movie cranking along uh, with the uh, the ghost and the darkness up there. The Blues Brothers are Alexi and I on that feed as well, discussing things outside of Imprint Companion, but mostly Imprint Companion at the moment because, again, in case you haven't noticed, there's a lot of imprint coming out. There's a lot of imprint there's a lot of, out. There's a lot of imprint to cover, so we're going to be talking about that. Um, we have been impacted uh both lex and i and really the entire cinephile community with uh the passing of a couple of absolutely titanic movie forces uray liotas of the world and particularly james khan who and is tony sirico as well we got to to- tony, tony sirico a little shout out uh, we have to say i saw a great tweet that was like there was a photo of the great tony sirico and great james khan both of them in singlets and suspenders mm-hmm. and say there were two guys in the whole world that could wear a singlet and suspenders and we lost both of them in the same couple of months the yep. world is awful right now um but one of the one of the films that uh, apart from things like the gambler which we've talked about a lady in a cage um or uh, flesh and bone in the After Dark Near Noir cinema box set that had James Kahn in them in the imprint. One of the films that's been really important to me in my life is uh, Michael Mann's Thief. So we are doing a very special uh, one-off series uh, about Thief, uh, starring great voices such as Alexi Toliopoulos, starring a whole bunch of my great fans and cinephiles, people like Jan Johans, uh, the best-selling uh, New York Times best-selling author Sean Cosby, Jordan Harper, the great Travis Woods from Increment Vice. But we also are looking at talking to James Kahn's co-star, Jim Belushi, to honour him and to say goodbye and to talk about Thief and Michael Mann and all things about his experience on that film. So I am so pleased. So hopefully you guys listening to this and it will be coming up soon, but I'm going to absolutely take as much care as I can with it because James Kahn is so special to me. That movie is so special Mm -hmm. to me and I want to honour it in the way that I think it deserves. So one-off little audio documentary love letter to Thief and to James Kahn. Beautiful stuff. Well, we'll see you guys very soon with our next imprint batch, the July batch. Uh, We'll probably separate that over a few episodes, I might say. There's a lot of movies coming out of that batch. (laughs) We might have to do uh, a Sheridan Sheridan episode and then maybe the rest, or we'll see how we're going to split it. Yeah, We'll see how we go. There's a lot of movies coming out of that batch. Uh, And they're all really exciting. So we'll see you guys then. Until next time, enjoy cinema and keep spinning those discs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take you back. Do 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 do. Take you back.